We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter, at Overtime Ireland, and as always I'm joined by Sean Siegel. Sean, on Thursday's show we had John Daigle on, and we are fortunate enough to have uh, snagged him back for today's episode as well. We did talk baseball on the Thursday episode, we are going to talk some NFL draft prospects on today's show. There is a lot of interest in both at the moment obviously the nfl draft is coming up less than a month away but also best ball is as big as it's ever been so covering two very relevant topics at this moment in time but looking forward to getting john on the show in just a little moment but uh the nfl draft is going to be here before we know it it is and, and we had such a fun time putting together volume two of the rotoviz rookie guide i've got some updated information on the wide receivers there which ones checked all the boxes and which ones perhaps do not we're gonna get john's input on this today the first round i think gonna be so exciting we think that the adps are going to continue to shake up throughout the next month we'll find out from him if he thinks that is the case i mentioned on the previous show that we just had the ffpc cut down thursday mentioned the new 77 dollars leagues the orphans that are still out there as you prepare for rookie drafts on some of these leagues you already have going this is a great time to get into some more i have to say that playing in these ffpc rotoviz triflex leagues are the most fun i've had playing in dynasty and i've loved some of the previous dynasty leagues that i've done so that's really saying something so excited to find out what john has to say on prospects and maybe today's show will give you the 2022 101 so John joined us on the Thursday podcast. We're delighted to have him back today. We talked baseball on Thursday. We're going to talk NFL draft prospects today. We're really looking forward to it. But John, welcome back to the Rotoviz Overtime podcast. Thank you for having me. Glad to be back with everyone. Again, it's been a long offseason, but it's now draft season as well. So lots of interesting things to talk about between NFL draft props, uh, prospects for dynasty leagues. It just goes on, never stops. It feels like we're going to have to start calling it something different than the off-season when we're covering it from a fantasy football <laughs> perspective. It just should be just the year. It's just the NFL it's year. Just the, it's just the long year. One long yeah. year. But as I mentioned, we are going to talk NFL draft prospects. We're going to start off with quarterbacks. This class 
around the pro day, around the combine. It happens every year, but there is buzz building for a number of these positions. There's some of the players that maybe had certain amounts of entry, but that has been boosted over the last couple of weeks. The quarterbacks, in terms of the top guys, haven't really hurt themselves too much, I guess, over the, the last month or so. But um, is there any of the prospects in this class where you kind of expect them to be going, or, or how are you seeing where you might end up drafting these guys in fantasy versus their landing spots in the NFL? Unfortunately, it's still so misconstrued, even by the top decision makers in the NFL. Uh, people are conflicted on Malik Willis. Draft Twitter seems to like him more than NFL GM, so much so that all three of Daniel Jeremiah, Dan Brugler, and Lance Zierlein have said Willis isn't going in the first round. I still tend to not believe that. I think there's a chance he's the number two overall pick to Detroit. But nonetheless, as as other edge players like Kayvon Thibodeau, Trayvon Walker, make their rounds in the top three, top five picks, maybe so. Maybe the Lions wait since they have another first-round pick waiting at the end of night one. Um, also, we've heard Matt Corral make his way inside the first round. The Steelers are apparently highly interested in a quarterback. The issue is unless Willis truly does plummet unexpectedly, then maybe they don't have a chance to draft Willis. And then, of course, Kenny Pickett has also been rumored to go to the Panthers, perhaps even as early as number six overall. So right now, honestly, it's all over the place. I wish I had a theory for why. It was the first year, really, that everyone, literally everyone, gathered back at the Combine, and that's where we start to hear the most rumors as well. But maybe it's also because teams for the past month have been so unsure of quarterback shakeups and what actually they were going to do to begin with. Like it probably like Raiders at one point even toyed with trying to trade Derek Carr. And then instead they bolstered an entire offense around him. And that was their response. So, so I just think we are, we are still very early in this process and I wish I had a better answer for you right now, to be honest. Well, John, it's it, it's interesting to look at the various mocks because, as you said, you can run into them that don't have any quarterbacks in the first round, including some big names. And, I mean, that just seems absolutely absurd, right? These guys are going right. to go. Teams need them. They've been positioning themselves to try and make it not so clear, which is important, right? You don't want everyone in, on earth to know that you have to take a quarterback because these the teams Steelers. Already... The Steelers want you to know they're taking a quarterback. <laughs> They do. They're, we we need more guys. We, we've got all the positions set except for you know, more or less quarterback. Yeah. The teams that are bad and the teams that are chasing these superstar quarterbacks already. I mean, you can see the desperation with the interest in people like Trubisky and Wentz and Mariota. I like the situation with Mariota, but some of these other names kind of humorous that NFL teams think that that will allow them to compete with the stars but these teams that have traded away some players, a team like Seattle, for example, or teams like you know Kansas City who have moved some guys in order to uh, create cap space and to create picks. I mean, you don't want to turn right around and waste those, whether it's quarterback or a different position. So we're having the, the kind of the steering contest right now. And yet, I've said, I don't think any of the five guys are going to come outside the top 43 picks. I think all five of the top quarterback prospects will go in that range. Are there any of the top five that you would have off your board regardless or anyone where even if they were the fifth of the five, that you're like, that's still the guy that you want to take first in super flex rookie drafts. So 
What's happening right now in both Superflex best ball and Superflex rookie drafts is that, as you mentioned, quarterbacks are somewhat getting pushed down since it's an uncertain situation. My issue is, I don't know if this is a minority opinion or not, my issue is that I don't think any of them are good. Uh, I think the past few years has genuinely spoiled us to believe that playing quarterback in the NFL is now easy because the rules are softer. But these guys all have major blemishes on their record. Um, Malik Willis, who I think is the top one, if only for his rushing yard, since we know that's a sticky trait from the college to the NFL, um, he had one ranked game last year. In his lone meaningful competition, he threw zero touchdowns and three picks. Uh, he played small school Liberty, and so small school competition is always concerning for a quarterback. Kenny Pickett, oddly enough, who the, the Panthers are bringing in and looking at, like he's literally – well. I, I, what I see right now is Sam Darnold, just the Spider-Man meme pointing at each other. Like Kenny Pickett had 31 picks across four seasons. He fumbled 38 times throughout his career, five and a half yards per attempt under pressure, increased nine and a half yards per attempt when kept clean. Uh, I'm very, very concerned about Kenny Pickett. So much so when you ask about who's getting pushed down my board for his performance, even if it gets drafted by the Panthers, I don't know what that means. And yes, he does add a little bit of a rushing floor, but it's a player I think I want to avoid no matter what, too. Matt Corral as well, I think, is a extremely interesting athlete. Chris Sims had him ranked, and this matters because Chris Sims thinks like the NFL decision makers. Chris Sims had him ranked up as number one overall quarterback, and it's probably because his release, his flick of the wrist, his deep ball are all fine and well. But also remember last year, he was just a RPO gimmick. Like he he led a chess offense and so does that translate over i don't know it didn't translate for tua last year that was a rpo offense and it didn't move the needle whatsoever and so right now i'm genuinely struggling sean to like find confidence in any of these guys outside of the typical well they can run answer you mentioned not being confident in Pickett, and just to kind of throw a shameless plug in here he is the guy who kind of has the most disconnect between where reality decision makers seem to have him projected and where we have him in our rotoviz rookie guide volume two is out uh, see how far he falls in our super flex mocks if you're interested in that uh I, the quarterbacks are, are so interesting here and we're going to come back we're going to talk with you some more about running back and wide receiver but with the rise of Superflex, I think we're all very excited to see how this will go. And, you know, you mentioned Pickett and how this will work with the Panthers. Those of us who still have a ton of DJ Moore and are holding, because at some point he's going to be a first-round pick. Probably not in 2022, but we would love to see Pickett defy those odds that you mentioned there. You mentioned the fumbles. Obviously, he's got the hand size issues. We'll see how that all turns out. Although... The Panthers did measure his hand at his pro day, and they apparently grew an inch and a half larger than the combine. So who knows what's going on there? That's what I've been doing with my stretches, too. I mean, it's only <laughs> a matter of time until my hands get to eight inches and, you know, I'm six it's, and a half feet tall. When you measure them, normal. But when your mother measures them, just happen to be larger. What, what happens there? Funny what happens when the kind people in our lives start helping us out. So we move in, we're going to look a little bit at running backs here. And, the you know, Brees Hall um, and Kenneth Walker are the – Kind of, I would say consensus one and two at running back. Just going to put it in first to see if you think that there's anyone else who could go and challenge them for that status. And then when we look ahead to this season in terms of fantasy football and dynasty leagues, do you think they are the clear contenders for the the one hundred one and dynasty, or do you think some of these wide receivers could potentially, um, you know, challenge that? And we'll stay away from superflex for the minute because um, we're going to touch on that in a moment. Short term. 
I'm worried about them for how we're going to play them in redraft and best ball leagues. We will get the ADP bump if you're drafting them right now. But in Dynasty, just for this year, I'm always worried about backs in today's NFL unless they fit the bill of what NFL GMs look for. Like Najee Harris is the most recent example and that he only had 25 career carries of 20 plus yards at Alabama on 578 carries. He wasn't so much explosive as he was hard to bring down, but his size and showing up at 6'1", 232, always ensured that there was basically no chance he would ever be pigeonholed in the NFL. He was never going to be a third down back. He was never going to be an early down grinder for his catch radius as well and, and sucking up targets at Alabama. He was always going to be an every down player no matter where he land. Whereas with Brees Hall, who I do believe is the one-on-one right now, even though we're starting to see more mock drafts and we may get CEH at the end by Kenneth Walker. But I don't have concerns about his profile. Brees Hall's translating to the NFL. Um, he averaged 27 catches per season. He forced the seventh most missed tackles in the country last year. And he does have elite burst with a 4 through 940 at 217 pounds. The only issue is that he still is just, quote unquote, just 5'11, 217, which is more like Javante Williams, right? Someone who stayed in the timeshare despite being the more valuable, explosive player throughout the year. And so, in coach's eyes, I still think there is a chance Kenneth Walker and Hall can get pigeonholed at their size, whereas Najee Harris never had a chance to. Um, so if Hall ends up as a 1B, like Javante Williams, or third down option, the Bills have reportedly brought him in, even though Brees Hall would be fun with the Bills. But he'd also be a third down back over Duke Johnson um, and maybe probably take over for Devin Singletary down the road. But the short-term op- Short-term return is what we're trying to look at. And so even though I would draft them 101, I still am somewhat worried about year one at least. But Dynasty, long-term, Sean, not worried at all. Well, you mentioned the, the sort of similarities there, and it's interesting because Blair and I just had to do a big trade moving Javante Williams in our Rotoviz Triflex FFPC Dynasty League to get to the cut down. And one of the interesting things with Williams is that, as you mentioned, didn't get that value in year one because of the youth, because of all the fantastic peripherals and the way people see him as a potential future one-on-one, you can still get a, a ton of value. And so Hall, I think, is someone who is exciting because even if he has a year that's not that impressive from a fantasy points perspective, he's going to just continue to gain in value. He's that good. It's encouraging to hear you say that it's maybe a little bit discouraging to hear you put him with the bills because Devin Singletary one of our absolute favorites I'm probably the biggest Devin Devin Singletary supporter in the fantasy community I say that I obviously don't really know but (laughs) Hall would push him aside so I think he's going to come in and and be fantastic there are some other spots where he could go and similar to what you said he would have that split and as a as a dynasty manager, you don't want to lose any year, right? You don't want to have a team. And, and one of the things is not all the players who have the 101 have it because they finished last. Some people have it because they made some very savvy trades previously. And so you're looking at that and you're thinking, how can I win now? And, and again, some of the teams that had the 101 because they did finish last actually have so many resources combined with injuries from the previous year that they can draft Hall even if they finish last, win the championship. So that does come into play. Walker, someone who who needs the perfect landing spot. The the contrast there and the, and the tension, as you mentioned, between Harris and getting the volume, but knowing there are so many red flags about what he was actually going to do with that. 
some of these guys who are more explosive, I always like them because they're a little bit less expensive than they have the huge season for you. You win all your leagues. In Dynasty, though, it's obviously a little bit different. And at the 102, it's a little bit different. Are you looking at those guys above the wide receivers? I mean, you're looking at him as someone who could also be there. I, we're going to talk about the receivers in a second. So let's just bring them in. Wilson, London, Burks, Williams, Olave. Are any of these guys overly sensitive to draft slot? Uh, is there any member of that five where you feel like we need the NFL seal of approval and or an elite QB? Any of them, the guys who go early, right, are going to have that additional bump because really we see the, the first round is as sort of multiple sections to where think of people as first round picks, second round picks, obviously first round pick is better, but top 10 pick is much better than that. If you get a couple of those guys in the top 10, top 15, then I mean, their floor is so high in terms of both what the NFL thinks about them, what their team has to do with them. But some of these guys who come in the second half are probably going to hit the elite quarterbacks, a much better initial situation. Anybody that you think needs the perfect fit in order to be a legitimate first round or if you're looking at non-superflex a legitimate top six pick in rookie drafts so you spun it the way i was going to and that if you have the 101 and 102 i think it basically is Brees hall and kenneth walker in whichever order you want i have hall over walker if it changes not egregious if only because well i think a lot of these receivers are good and we all have our tiers and raking them accordingly one, it doesn't seem like any of us have the same rankings. That's an issue. And two, like I wonder, since just like the quarterbacks, they have enough blemishes to where maybe it's a good, not great group all the way around. So much so that I'm predicting right now what I'm seeing in a lot of mocks as well, six to eight wide receivers in the first round off the board, and they are consistently changing from the number four pick on across teams. Um, I actually call... The next part of your question, I call it the Rashad Bateman theory since we went to last year's draft, although we love Bateman, knowing that whomever the Ravens landed, that was basically going to be our sacrificial lamb for redraft leagues. And unfortunately, it happened to be our boy Rashad Bateman. This year, I think the sacrificial lamb is whoever plays with Zach Wilson with the Jets. Uh, just because there are not just one, but multiple hills to climb since they would have to overcome inaccuracy and hope Wilson develops first off. And I think he will, but there's still a big hill to climb. And then likely earn or play a lesser role behind Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios, who they just re-upped in place of Jameson Crowder. Berrios also averaged 7.9 targets per game in the contest he played without Crowder last year. And Corey Davis, who's still on the big money contract. Uh, right now, the Jets are actually consistently mocked to select either Drake London or Garrett Wilson at number four or number 10. And both of those fits, in my opinion, are even a concern schematically. Uh, Wilson had success both as a slot receiver in 2020, and then he moved primarily to the boundary last year, but it's still reasonably raw and would presumably get pigeonholed into the slot at 183 as a raw talent. And Drake London, while I think he's awesome, uh, physically dominant at 6'4", 219, Still did have eight drops on 96 catchable targets last year before breaking his ankle and would likely have to earn his production in the league as an outside player if he gets drafted the Jets, catching via contested targets on coin flips downfield from Zach Wilson. Um, it won't happen since he's not being taken seriously in that top 10 range. But I actually think Traylon Burks and the 
Mickey Mouse usage he received in college. Uh, I don't think he's a Mickey Mouse player, but the way he was used, um, the fact he was second in the nation with 12.2 yards per catch on screens last year, 25% of the targets actually came on screens last season as well, and he played 77% of his career snaps from the slot despite being 6'2", 225. Uh, I think that kind of usage, like a la Rondell Moore, would be very interesting and to kind of fit the Jets' need if they use him as such. But if Traylon Burks comes into the league and is asked to only win on the boundary, I'm not saying he can't. It's just a questionable product since he only played nine coverage snaps against man coverage last year, against press coverage. So we really don't know. We assume he can at 6'2", 225. We really don't know, though, if he can get free. So I just think there are a lot of question marks, honestly, among all the wide receivers, which is why I keep going back to Hall and Walker at 101, 102. Hey, Rotoviz fans. This is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal Rotoviz listener, you can get 10% off a one year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, that's RVRADIO2022 at checkout for 10% off a one year Rotoviz subscription. Enjoy the podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And I know it seems like you may not be as high on the, the quarterback prospects as as we may be, uh, you know, there's always going to be some downside to that, but it does seem like in rookie drafts this year there probably will be almost a first round of you know top tier talent, and we're looking probably at five quarterbacks, five wide receivers, and two running backs. And Do to Sean's point, that- like he mentioned, he expects all the big five to be drafted in the top forty-three. I agree, and so even though I don't think they are tremendous prospects. Uh, we always look at draft capital, right? And these guys are going to get the draft capital. Again, like I'm nixing the smartest minds in the business right now. And Jeremiah and Brugler, who I have just so much respect for, and I absolutely love and follow their work religiously. I am saying, no, I think you're wrong. Teams will come around to Malik Willis because drafting quarterbacks is basically like adding 20 million in cap space every year. Yeah. And I, I think that's the way the teams will think about it. But then obviously the landing spots like that will enthuse dynasty drafters and and drafters of fantasy football and we'll look to see them be drafted in rookie drafts this year so do you feel though in terms of overall depth of a first round do you think this year is you know as strong as in recent memory or do you still think there's a huge amount of stumbling blocks in, in this particular draft unfortunately i don't think it's strong i think if you're in the need for a wide receiver you're going to get it uh draft capital will play its part 
I think team fit's going to be more important than ever. We usually think it's important, but definitely more important than ever, especially since there is some wide open opportunity here. If someone goes to the Cardinals, perhaps he can outplay Antoine Wesley. I say perhaps. He'll probably outplay Antoine Wesley. It's just a matter of if Cliff Kingsbury will allow that, since remember, like Kingsbury threw Wesley out there in place of A.J. Green full-time, in place of DeAndre Hopkins full-time, because he recruited Wesley to Texas Tech. Like, that's his friend. And so uh, if a receiver in the back end of the first round can outplay Antoine Wesley, we'll see if he can actually earn that role. But more importantly, the Chiefs and Packers have wide open roles. And so I'm sort of looking to who lands there and taking those chances. If you're doing super flex drafts or rookie drafts post the NFL draft, that's when we're really going to know how ADPs fluctuate. But doing it before the draft, it's risky, but you don't mind taking your shot on six, on the, that six to eight wide receiver range in the back because – it could actually prove to be profitable and that someone can end up at number four, or number 10 overall pick, surprisingly. Number eight to the Falcons as well. Like Sean mentioned, he likes that spot with Mariota. There's a wide open position there. The thing with the, the wide receivers that you mentioned that is so interesting is that you pull up five different mock drafts and you're going to see them in very different orders. You mentioned Burks not being mocked as high again right before the combine. He had risen up to being the top wide receiver in a lot of the mocks you know, mildly disappointed i think that's a little bit overblown based on what he's demonstrated and what a player of his size needs to do but it's interesting to see london you know even in the the top 10 it's interesting to see wilson pretty consistently in the top 15 but occasionally falling out olave somebody who probably doesn't have the chance to go in the top 15 but if receivers fall i mean you see him even as the top wide receiver every once in a while and then Jamison Williams, somebody who I think at this point, you look at where he's mocked with the injury, it seems pretty clear he would have been the number one if he hadn't suffered that injury. But to see all those guys mixed around, I think with that and with the potential need for the landing spots for both the running backs and the quarterbacks even more than in most drafts makes this so fun in terms of the first round. But then we also have this next wave of players and the second round is going to be very very interesting in terms of rookie drafts say day two in the nfl draft among the next wave at running back wide receiver tight end who's most likely to push in and if we had a quarterback fall or you are in a league maybe picket falls a little bit and then people don't want to draft him with the risk and with maybe lesser rushing upside than the other four guys Who's going to come in there and take some of these spots? Do we have a chance to have any wide receiver incursions into the top five? Do we have a running back who could still blow people away and, and really surprise in terms of where he goes? I've seen some people mention Trey McBride as a late round pick, if only because what he produced around other talent in college at the tight end position seems to be the the first pick of that position. Um, I also think Sam Howell, we talk about quarterbacks and I, you know, I dunked on them, but I think Sam Howell is at least interesting in that. We're only a year removed from him being the number one overall pick, according to top consensus. He, and then he played injured, and he played poor, but he played injured. And now he's universally behind Desmond Ritter as the fifth of the big five everywhere you look. So much so, it sounds like he's going to slip and definitely be a day two prospect, whether it's round two or round three. And so I also think just from looking at past capital, I think Sam Howe is super interesting too if he plays himself back into the prospect that he was viewed at initially at full health. And so that's where I'm sort of looking right now. Um, receivers is genuinely for me, I'm interested to know if you have someone that stands out, Sean, maybe the road of this guide has someone 
that everyone's latching on to because it's generally just going to come down to fit for me. Uh, because as much as I talked about the top tiers being able to shuffle around, it's it gets worse for me on day two and three. Well, we do have some some interesting names there. And I think that the top four picks, a little bit because you mentioned McBride, there are going to be some receivers that come in there. We still have Watson mocked a little bit lower in our rookie guide, but I, just because the production doesn't match up with the rest of the things. But there's always a big surprise in the draft. And I think that if we get the surprise, the fact that Watson without the production is mocked in the first round. I mean, and if he were to land with the Kansas City Chiefs, and we, we saw how that worked out with Hardman, we saw how that worked out with Clyde Edwards there, but you go to Kansas City with the holes or the opening that they have now, I mean, you're going to have him as a first round pick or whoever the Chiefs reach for there. More obviously interesting. Tolbert obviously interesting. Uh, it's going to be a fun second round. And then the third round, I think, is going to be a mix of all of these smaller running backs. And you mentioned those guys tend to get pigeonholed into roles that don't have that 17, 18, 19 expected point per game upside. And yet they can be very valuable fantasy contributors in the right situation and at the right price. And so it'll be exciting to see how some of those fall out as well. I, I will say that... Yes, Christian Watson, I've seen mocked in some cases to the Chiefs or at the Packers, the back end of the first round, so he's interesting. We know Jameis Williams for Williams for speed is going to get up there. Um, and then also, David Bell's also interesting for his production, even though he did reportedly run a 4.740, so I wonder how much that'll factor in. But also, NFL evaluators, like, recall Anthony Schwartz, uh, Tutu Atwell, they genuinely, their brain shut down whenever someone runs a fast 40. They don't look at anything beyond that. Over the last decade, actually, 86% of wide receivers who clocked faster than a 4-5-40 have been drafted, which is incredible. That's all they look at is speed. And so even a player like you know Tyquan Thornton or something, I, th I think genuinely could pop up as a, a third or fourth round pick no matter what he did in college just because every coach thinks – they can use a wide back. Every coach thinks they can put a receiver in screens and that they're going to get 10 touches, explosive touches per game. And that's very clearly never the case. So I would also just say, make sure you look at speed because that's kind of where we get an ADP edge at. And one of the interesting things is that you have the sort of draft slot anchoring that gives you a sense of, of what the overall range is. And then you can use a lot of the peripherals, a lot of the advanced stats to get an edge on that. The guys who run the fast 40s are so overdrafted that mm -hmm. you actually need to move them down a, a good chunk in terms of the draft slot to get a feel for what their actual result is likely to be. But again, for the ADP edge, you also have this potential window where you can draft them and move them before it becomes clear that their draft slot is artificially inflated. So a lot of fun things you can do there based on the speed. At the same time, we can always dream that some of these guys will will emerge. And we talk about the freak score on the site a lot. You do see some players who do come through at Chase Claypool. You know, MVS, one of Column's favorites. Not necessarily a big fantasy guy in his first contract. You know, an important role player in reality. But down the line, potentially someone who, who could now be interesting with the Chiefs. We'll see some of the things that they do. But we know the teams need some speed. It's more a matter of... When you're watching your own team, you definitely want them to be patient, not destroy these picks that they have by by overdrafting players. I think 
we just did an entire episode on Dynasty and didn't come to a single conclusion. That kind of tells you everything you need to know about the draft this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And I do oh, think you touched on the the landing spot is going to be so key for especially these wide receivers landing and somewhere like, and Sean did hint that some of the players have landed in KC recently and it hasn't worked out, but there's no doubt that landing with Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers after this draft is going to help, help those guys opportunities versus the like of landing say with the Jets or with the Jaguars heading into next season. But uh, John, it has been a lot of fun having you back on the show today. I did mention this uh, on the last show. If the listeners didn't follow you already, they should, pause this now head on over to twitter and follow you it's at not j daigle but john as we get ready to wrap up here i just want to thank you again it's always been a pleasure but uh anything you want to let the listeners know before we wrap up i'll be back to talking football and fantasy twice a week right now i'm doing once per week at the most accurate podcast if you type in that exact phrase on itunes spotify the fantasy podcast is there myself every thursday with either john paulson the great john paulson of 444 or a guest i bring on lots of dynasty guest and prospect guest this upcoming month but also subscribe to move the line on itunes and spotify because i'll be talking nfl betting there every wednesday night after the ncaa tournament gets out of our way so check you out those two spots once again if you're not following john on twitter make sure you do so it is at not jay daigle but sean lots of great talk this week we did talk basketball we did talk about the nfl draft obviously on today's show but you teased it and you mentioned it a little bit on the Thursday episode, but we have a great deal ongoing for listeners who are interested in checking out Underdog. And John mentioned Underdog and, and some of the fun leagues that you can play in the show there. We're also excited about some of the things that we'll be doing with you, the audience on Underdog. This year, we have a, a coupon code for you as you sign up in the next month. That code is Rotoviz. They'll match up to $100 deposit a uh, column you and i are going to be playing some leagues we obviously have zachary Kruger, who does some fantastic best ball content with us uh, bjorn ying barnett is currently working on some in-depth underdog research for the site michael dubner just published an article that is must read on how you attack pre-nfl draft versus post-nfl draft connor has put up some really cool free agent articles over the last three or four days and those as you might guess from the 2021 ffpc best ball tournament champion they're slanted toward a best ball uh, element there i mean connor's playing best ball he's good at best ball he wants you to know which free agents are going to help you win at that he'll have some content in the various formats we may even have these guys on the show on the best ball feed. Sign up for the best ball feed. It'll help you beat underdog and perhaps be the next $1 million winner. We're going to do some roundtable stuff with the gang. I mentioned Curtis. I mentioned Dave. They obviously do some cool stuff with best ball on the flagship show. And I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying that Curtis and Dave also had really healthy returns in their underdog contest last year. So if you want to know how to dominate these contests you can check out our ceiling bananas pod with peter overset who was a top 10 finish last year you can check out the flagship where those guys are underdog experts check out the best ball feed all of this will be a lot of fun as we embark on the summer of best ball column dynasty best ball it's the best time of the year for nfl yeah definitely and uh, it's gonna be fun I, i'm really you know I'm, I'm even behind the scenes i'm messaging sean i'm saying the ffpc have some times available now that are not 2 a.m my time for some of these drafts at the weekend so i'm starting to get that draft itch and it, it is 
well, it's April now uh, at the time that you're listening to this, but yeah, that, that draft itch is happening and I don't know what it's going to be like come June or July. Um, we'll, we'll be in those draft rooms all day long, but yeah, definitely check that out. Code Rotoviz over at underdogfantasy.com. But that's going to wrap us up, Sean, for today's episode. Three shows again in the books. I would also urge the listeners to check out the Stealing Bananas podcast that yourself and Ben Gretsch have put out over the last couple of days. Heads up, for Stealing Bananas listeners, next week we are going to have some evergreen shows for you to check out up there. The guys are taking a well-deserved uh, week off coming up here for Stealing Bananas. But myself and Sean will be back with those three shows coming your way as well. But until then, my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Of course, my co-host is Sean Siegel. You can follow him at FF underscore Contrarian. He may never reply. I don't know if Sean knows the passwords any longer to log into his Twitter account. You're better to check out all his work up on rotoviz.com. And until we're back with another show on Tuesday, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.